0: Welcome to the Tyler Doubted Audio Network. Hi, Tyler Doubted here on the TD Talks line number two here with Bruce Wayner. We've had a bit of an interaction in the past. I was on his podcast this past summer and uh, he was happy enough to kind of come back on that invitation again to, to join me on my podcast and try to provide some value that hopefully we both can learn from and that especially anyone listening can learn from. So, Bruce, how are you doing today?
1: Great, Tyler. It is really nice to reconnect. Uh, I find you to be a breath of fresh air, um, and I try to surround myself with people that are you know, kind of like-minded and just want to share and, and make this whole world, especially the business world, a better place.
0: Well, and that's kind of what I've been trying to do. Because uh, just just yesterday I was I've been trying to figure out kind of where does I want to focus my energy and what like uh, I I've always thought kind of want to look at what I want to be in five years and and pursue that and kind of put the steps in place to make that like a kind of chasing myself so to say and I, and I think that there's. A lot of people that could benefit from stuff. I started a, a series yesterday. The first episode too, a uh, practical e-commerce. Trying to think about things to actually provide value because as a as a practitioner, as an operator, I have a certain experience level that many people just sell courses for the sake of selling courses mm-hmm. and have never actually have done that. So I try to provide some kind of some kind of value for that actually from someone that, that has done it and continues to do it versus someone that makes that sells courses just to make money selling courses. <laughs> right. I think, but, I
1: think it's a lot more value for a person who actually builds a, bin, a business and then the result of that business is a, a course comes out of it rather than building a course that tells you how to do a business when you're really not even doing a business. The only business is the
0: course. Yeah. And I think too, because I've, uh, in my younger years, I would do a lot of searching around for stuff, and I, I think it's hard to. I think it's hard to seem authentic because I think people, the the smarter, maybe not smart, but smarter people, are so jaded because they think everything is just some get rich quick scheme. Like how do you how do you make a Facebook ad that looks genuine that actually is genuine versus everything else, the many things that aren't genuine at all, and uh, that's kind of how I. I think about that. How do I actually stand out as someone genuine in a world of people that say they're genuine, but might not be? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's constant evolution.
1: That, yeah, I think the things that you do that really help you with that genuine thing is when you do your videos of your daily life or when you're, you know, taking your kids to school or you're going, you know, yeah. people people actually see a window into your personality. And uh, yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot easier than when you're just uh, doing a video just to present a course. Uh, so I think that's that's kind of an important thing for people in in e-commerce to kind of think about is uh, just let people into your daily life and get to know Tyler, and then you'll understand that this is something that Tyler's just trying to add value in your life.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was curious, Bruce. Uh, last time we talked, a whole lot about me. We could talk a little more. A little more about you this time. Mm-hmm. So, tell everybody listening what is it? Because uh, obviously, you're—I didn't pay you to be here, in case anyone wonders that. Uh, uh, what is it you actually do to to earn a living?
1: Yeah, I'm with a, a, a private independent brokerage firm called E3 Consultants Groups. and we have a uh, model where we have a family office style model. And for people that don't know what a family office is, the uber wealthy people. They have seen uh, a problem in having, like, an investment person and then a separate insurance person, a separate tax person, um, a separate person that handles their accounting, a separate person that handles their mortgage uh, needs or their banking needs. Um, and so, what we have done is we have taken the model that people with typically you have to be in that kind of 20 to 20 and above million dollars of liquid net worth to have those kind of people just on staff. So you would have a full-time lawyer, you would have a full-time accountant, you would have a full-time investment person, so on and so forth. And the reason that we try to bring it down to the retail level is the reason that they use this because they don't want anything to they don't want anything to slip through the cracks. Because it doesn't make any sense that your investment guy tells you to do something investment-wise, but it doesn't match up with the taxes. Or then you're your insurance guy uh, thinks you're you're vulnerable as far as the, the amount of insurance you have but then the investment guy says oh you don't need that much insurance uh, and then your mortgage person says well we want to get you into a 15-year loan or a 10-year loan and then we're going to pay extra to the mortgage because we want to get this thing paid off and then your accountant says well wait a minute you're pulling too much you're pulling too much cash out of the business and now we're we're actually not growing the business because you're pulling too much cash out of that just to get this mortgage paid down faster. So we realize that working as a team and bringing those things to the table for for our business owners and our people or people that are just W2 employees that is actually the best model to use even on a smaller re, what we call retail level. We just want people to think differently that there's a different way to do things than just put your money in the bank or just put your money with a, an accumulation, what we call an accumulation expert, an investment advisor, and coordinate all those different aspects of your personal and business economy.
0: Yeah, and I have heard about the family offices and you did explain a little bit better than than I've kind of seen online, but it makes sense. Yeah, the wealthy people and they have kind of a, a staff of these people to mm-hmm. take care of the Take care of the finances for the wealthy families because I I always kind of thought of it as uh, of course the more you have uh, for, for anybody a few few percentage points really add over time but the more you have the faster those percentage points add up.
1: Yeah, well, and when and, you and when you <laughs> think about it, when you make a when you make a mistake and you don't have a whole lot of money, it hurts a lot worse yeah. than when you make a mistake and you have a when you do have a lot of money, you can recover from that. But if you have you know, just a couple hundred thousand dollars and maybe a business interest and you make a mistake as far as covering your liabilities or like you said, that one percent mistake that you would make, uh, that hurts you a lot more than if you make that same kind of mistake when you you have, you know, 40 or 50, a hundred million dollars of assets, you can recover from that. Then it takes a lot longer to recover when you only have a, a couple hundred thousand dollars in business interest.
0: That's true, and I have noticed uh in my in my somewhat short life here uh that th- i I do play a lot of kind of go between because we have uh a family friend who does a lot of accountant services and an investment person, and then there's insurance and uh, the whole kind of thing, and then they say,', well, I'll talk to your accountant about this and talk to your investment mm-hmm. person about this, talk to your insurance person about this, and I guess that I can't see the allure of that we all kind of work together to come up with uh, the ideal solution. Makes sense. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. the, the difficult uh, thing, uh, Tyler, is if you don't get a teamwork atmosphere, and we actually give people personality profiles to make sure they can work in a teamwork a- atmosphere. If you don't have that abundance mindset, which I know you're a big believer in that, everybody is protecting their own turf. And so when you're protecting your own turf, that's not necessarily what's good for the client. So you really have to surround yourself with people that have the same abundance mindset.
0: And when you talk about that, so say, say, some insurance person would be nervous that they don't want to lose their commissions on on onto someone else. Kind of is that yes, the idea? Yeah. What, you, what you mean? Yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah. So, like, if a, I, I most of the time, it actually goes more towards the investment advisor. Uh, to be frank with you, because let's say um, an investment advisor has a asset under management fee. And, uh, you know, you have a, let's just say you have $500,000 with them and he has uh, maybe uh, 1% management fee. So, you know, that's uh, $5,000 a year. But then the insurance person says, you know, hey, hey, Tyler, you know, we're really worried about uh, what would happen. You're the main breadwinner in the family. So, we probably ought to get some life insurance on you, and we can also use it to protect the uh, uh, your business assets, so on and so forth. And um, of course, that's going to take money out of the investment person's. You know, we're going to take we're going to take some money out of that to put into the life insurance, and then of course the investment person is not going to make five thousand uh, dollars a year on that anymore. Um, so you got to really have some people that are saying, well, that's, but that's, that's right though, Tyler, that's, that's what's best for you. So we're going to, we're going to transfer some of that money over to a well-designed life insurance policy for you. So, and then you, you do get CPAs, you get CPAs that really think, um, they don't, they think too traditionally, you know, I know you're a real innovative thinker and sometimes you get these CPAs that, you know, they don't see the value of actually spending money they just want it, They just want to uh, tax defer it into some accumulation accounts. So, so you really have to have the whole team on the same page.
0: I am curious. You, you touch on CPAs, and I, as far as I know, I'm I'm happy with with uh, the CPA that we have. But uh, to be honest, I don't like you see commercials H and R Block for for tax people. You, you drive by signs. Sometimes you see CPA Certified Public, public Accountant. If you were going to give advice to someone like me that was maybe interested in finding out how one CPA might compare to another, what would you suggest?
1: Well, I think the I think what you really need to look at is ask some key questions. If you're a business owner, um, ask the person, ask the CPA. Hey, uh, this is a hypothetical question, but at the end of the year, I am going to owe one hundred thousand dollars in taxes. What are you going to do to try to alleviate that tax burden for this year, and then what are you going to do to alleviate that tax burden for the rest for the next year? And if they say something to to the effect that, well, let's do this, let's put, uh, let's max out your SEP, uh, which is uh, which is kind of a it's a tax deferred program for retirement or if they say, let's buy a piece of equipment so we can get deductions on both of those, I would go running. And here's and here's why. So if you could put approximately $53,000 into your SEP account, but now that money's tied up until you retire at age 59 and a half. So if you're a business owner and you're trying to grow your business, why would you wanna set you know, tie up $53,000 just so you don't have to pay taxes in that one year? If you're a business owner and you do not need a piece of equipment, such as a truck or some major machinery because you have a manufacturing and you just buy it simply so you can get a tax deduction, which is a fraction of the cost, then that's mm-hmm. a red flag for me, which I've seen with CPAs over and over and over. The way they solve, a tax problem during the current year is to suggest that you buy a piece of equipment or put money into a tax-deferred account without looking at the implications to the business. Now, if you already need a piece of equipment, then that makes perfect sense. Um, I am not a big tax-deferred guy, though, because I asked this question. I don't know if I asked you this question before, Tyler, when, when we met, but I often ask business owners, uh, if you had a hundred thousand dollars in a tax deferred account for the future, such as your retirement, if that's important to you, what kind of rate mm-hmm. of return would you expect over the next thirty years? What would you be happy with? Of, uh, ten percent a year. Ten percent a year. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't care what that answer is. Now, if <laughs> somebody all, if somebody all of a sudden gave Tyler hundred thousand dollars and said put this into your business, or buy another business with this $100,000, what would you expect the rate of return to be on that $100,000, either that you put it into your current business or you bought another business? Far higher. Yeah. Far high, yeah. I know. And so then why do nope. people want to put money in those tax-deferred accounts? I do not get it.
0: It is so interesting you say that, Bruce, because just the other day, uh, one of those other series of contents I do, the, the car talk, I was just talking about that, how I was evolving my investment strategy. And it's, it's so weird you mentioned that because that very thing I talked and I said, uh, you might 8 to 10% a year historically, which is good. but that's laughable by a lot of business standards. And I think if I would maybe stockpile some of that and do some kind of business acquisition and then try to rev it up and resell it or or just keep it in in the profile and stuff, whatever that may be, uh, that would be, I would be super let down to get, to get 10% out of any sort of thing like that. And Mm -hmm. it's so interesting you say that because I was thinking the exact same thing myself recently. And I, like, I still do put money in the market for retirement because I feel, I feel, uh, what's the right phrase? not as diversified as I would like to be, mm-hmm. but I have come across that thinking, I mean, I, I turned 35 in a couple of weeks and the thought of putting money in something I know I'm not going to really see for 20, 30 years is, is, is a lot. And also thinking that, uh, because I, I, I was kind of overdoing it for a while and thinking, oh, well, I need to keep some stuff a little more short term because life's not going to begin at 60 for me. And so it's, what you touched on is something I actually came to my own conclusion. I like out of the blue one time because uh, like in the, the fourth quarter last year, kind of restructured some of the, the legal stuff and I became an employee of the company and then a S corporation holding company became the owner of the business I'm in now to kind of prepare better for acquisitions or exits out of whatever entities I might get myself involved in. And yeah, that, that's I was wonderful. thinking that same thing.
1: Yeah. And see, there's, it's interesting before we started recording we were talking about i think it was before we talked we were talking about building a self-sustaining uh, company and yeah we were what, what's what's interesting is when people think about retirement I, I the cynic in me says we we have been programmed by the government and by the big wirehouses on wall street to actually talk about retirement Retirement as far as social security and the big and the big warehouses at Wall Street, they want us to retire because they want to they want to uh, influence our mindset to give them as much money as possible for the future. But what I think happens to business owners is they 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 love what they're doing at first. They got a passion for it. They get into it and then they don't continue to innovate, which I'm really impressed by you. You continue to in- innovate. And then you, and if you can build a self sustaining business, then what you can do is one, it makes your business more sellable and for a higher price because a private equity firm or a person that doesn't have time to actually do the business full time can actually say, Well, heck, I don't even have to be there. Tyler has proved that. He's put all the processes in place, all the people in place. I just have to manage this situation. So it makes the value of the business go way up. The other thing it does is it allows you to exit from the business more gradually, and it also keeps your interest up, your energy up for a longer period of time where you don't feel like you want to retire. The people that are putting money away for retirement are people that are not innovating, they're not, they're not coming up with new processes and uh, products to, keep, to help them build a self-sustaining business. And they're in the daily grind of trying to, to run their business. But Tyler, the weird part about it is then they actually pull money out of the business because they want to get out of the business and retire. But the mere fact of pulling money out of the business for a retirement account actually causes a downward spiral in which now it makes the business even less valuable and it makes it harder to run the business on a day-to-day basis. So, they're actually doing something that's counter to what they're actually trying to achieve. I hope I explained that okay.
0: I think you did. Yeah. I think you did. And that, that was something because I, I I remember clear as day uh, because I had thought, because uh, I'm i don't know, about two and a half years into the, into the full-time system of this and I remember I was, I had thought about an employee for a while and I thought about it, thought about it, like how am I going to structure this right? Like what's the best parts of my day I can delegate and kind of keep that keep that going. And and then I brought Ben on last summer. He was the one uh, we went to, do uh, did the, your podcast in the right. summer. Right. And then I brought on Josh in January and like continuing to try to delegate more and more out of my day. But I remember, and I tell the story once in a while and it's somewhat relevant now because some people that were like me, we're thinking, when is the when is the point you might want to hire an employee? And everybody has a different answer for that. But for me, I remember it clear as day of the point, point. Uh, and I remember I was I was just working because it was it was it was a long hard grind, when, and it still is because I'm not good sitting still. But I remember there was a stack of checks from purchase orders I did not have time to take to the bank, yeah. and I remember thinking. <laughs> This this is this is the problem when I don't have time to cash checks anymore that I need yeah. to reevaluate how I, how I'm doing this, and then, yeah, and then from there that was a, that was an awakening for me. Yeah, not
1: cashing checks is kind of important. Um, <laughs> that, yeah. That's really was, that's really great.
0: And that was the one time because right after that happened, uh, which is when Ben started, and I was starting to kind of catch up as I was delegating more of that. There was actually one or two customers that had called because they wanted to get that that check off their books and like, can you, can you please cash this check soon? And <laughs> I remember what a what a weird world that I have constructed around myself where that was a problem I had.
1: Yeah, but it also shows that you had built a very good business that you weren't worried about cash flow on a daily basis too. So. Uh, in a weird way, that was kind of a, a good thing. The other, the other thing that I think, what people, what we help people do in businesses is we help them. Let's say they say, "Bruce, I agree what you're saying uh, about the future, but I still want to put some money away just in case." Well, we have the ability through alternative investments such as business development corporations, which are which is a private entity, or private lending uh, through real estate investment trusts, which are. Which are uh, which are uh, real estate investments? Um, we can actually put money away, but not in a tax deferred situation. And we can actually get you a coupon, and that and that's a fancy that's a fancy word for a check, a monthly check coming off of your your future investments. But there, that's going to mm-hmm. come right away as soon as you do. So you can put that money back into your business. So that's kind of a way that we can do both things for a, a business. We can help increase cash flow, but we can also put money aside in these different types of, of alternative investments so that they can have money set aside for the future, but it's also producing cash flow today. And another thing we do for business owners, we do the same thing with their liquid capital, kind of their day-to-day capital, their monthly capital. That instead of just having it sit in mm-hmm. a bank, we actually put it in well-designed cash value whole life insurance policies that are specifically designed to maximize cash value, not to pay the premiums on the life insurance. And those actually return uh, 2% 2 guaranteed, which I never thought I'd get excited about 2%, but banks aren't paying us anywhere near that. But then they're all, you also participate in dividends from the companies because we use mutual companies and mutual companies simply mean that you are part owner in the company. And so on a yearly basis, you participate in dividends that uh, depending on your age can be anywhere between four and six percent. And the great thing about the reason yeah. we like to use this is it's tax free money too but it's liquid money that you can use to in your business. And uh, those are the two things that we try to use to bridge the gap between those business owners that say, hey, I, I wanna put my money somewhere so I can have it for the future. And we say, well, that's hurting your business. We have these alternative investments that we can actually put money away for the future. But if you need it, we can have one pay you a monthly cash flow, and the other one can just be sitting there doing something for you so you're not losing opportunity costs and you can have it that uh, your capital deployed for you better than just sitting in the bank.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I, 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 I've never, I've never taken a business class. So a lot of my, my journey in this has been learn as I go. Cause I, I, I can't speak for every business, but, but mine really fluctuates a lot kind of month to month, mm-hmm. quarter to quarter. Sometimes like it's Sometimes it's like there's almost nothing there, and it just kind of comes and goes, and it works out well in the big picture, long term. But I do think about that sometimes, and uh especially with with keeping real. Like, like we moved recently uh about a month ago, and oh, you did? You moved your home? You moved your home? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And, and the business, move moved to a new home, and then mm-hmm. uh, it works out really well because there aren't that many houses that have two attached two-car garages. So it worked out perfectly well because then we I have the business focus on one of those garages which kind of encapsulates all the business stuff for for space and for overflow, and then everything else in the house is all dedicated to, to personal stuff, and it's a, such a nice way in the sense that I – I'm so happy I've been able to structure things cause I, I don't always like going places and it's, it's so nice to have a lot of that under, under my kind of control. Cause some people don't, don't, wouldn't like working from home or having stuff so close, but I kind of has, have structured these things by design to have that be that way. But, yeah. but uh, that was a digression. What was I talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I got the house and then, uh, with, uh, with the down payment, cause they, with self-employed and the tax returns and all these yeah. things. And then, uh, I didn't didn't prepay enough in the quarterly taxes in twenty seventeen. So we right. got hit with a big tax bill. Uh this year we had, we had to have paid prior to closing instead of like middle of April, like end of January had to get it paid. It was all kind of all kind of rolled together. Well it worked itself out okay, but it was a it was a it was a intense time for a while.
1: Yeah, it is. And that's that's the um that's what uh, entrepreneurs are able to juggle that where a lot of people that are W-2 employees, that's the reason they they don't want to take on a business because they the fear of juggling that stuff. You know, you bring up a real good point. And I think we're talking a little bit about entrepreneurship today. One of the things that I, I identify whether I think a person's going to make it in entrepreneurship is whether they look at expenses uh, the way you look at expenses and what I'm saying here is I love the fact that you figured out a way to to keep your business an ever-growing business still involved with your personal residence and too often I see people thinking they need have the need to, they have to have these glitzy offices or these glitzy buildings to feel like you know they're showing everybody they're in business I have two electrical contractors that are in the 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 exact polar opposite. I have one that has revenue of millions of dollars, and they're both commercial uh, electricians. And one has uh, revenues of millions of dollars, and he runs everything out of his house. The other one has revenue of about $700,000, and he wasn't even turning a profit. And soon as he had a couple of months where he had some additional uh, revenue because the economy was doing better. He went out and leased a building so that he could have his own office and he could put his little um, his day to day book bookkeeper in an office instead of her working out of her own home. Mm-hmm. And, and he increased his his monthly or excuse me he he increased his monthly liabilities by about three thousand dollars and only increased yeah. his, you know, his revenue by a little bit. And I asked him, I said, why did you do this? And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, well, I want to seem legitimate to the people that are doing, I'm um, doing business with. And I said, those people don't care about your business or your, uh, your building. All they care is, are you providing the service and value to them? That's all they care about. So I have two electricians on the exact opposite So, so people that are building a business, they cannot, you have to watch expenses. You know, people always say, well, I I want to grow my revenue. I want to grow my revenue. I want to grow my revenue. And that's great. But you have to watch expenses. And I know you do that on a daily basis.
0: Well, I do. Yeah, I, I do think that in so many cases, sales does. Solve almost everything. Sales do solve almost everything, but but expenses really add up. And I I'm not an expert in commercial real estate, but like you said, I'm I'm sure I'd probably drop a couple thousand a month on a space equivalent to what it is that I have here, and Mm -hmm. that's more than a mortgage payment. So 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 I have have a I can encapsulate my expenses inside of a mortgage payment with a reasonable tax deduction. I might add as well, or have. Like double the expenses for the same result, which I then have to drive to, and right. none of that really made really made sense to me. And I think just because you touch about it, uh, one thing I've noticed about myself as I've gotten older and like entrepreneurship, I kind of i i get more cynical. Uh, that's not maybe not the right phrase, but i I'm less inclined to play by rules of what it is people think is supposed to be versus mm-hmm. what actually makes makes sense to me if that makes if that makes any sense and kind of as I go like I have I, I mean I, I respect laws I don't want to go to jail and I want to be a good person but I also I don't really care much about how things are quote supposed to be done or have been done or anything like that I just I've always just kind of solved some problem and, and maneuver to make it work and I feel like that's maybe. What what a lot of entrepreneurs have is just you. You learn a lot as you go. You do something that doesn't work. You try something else. You see what works, what doesn't work, and you can't always take advice from other people because lots of people giving advice have never done what it is you want to do. Exactly,
1: yeah, absolutely, and it's and you know the, I I follow a business coach called Dan, his name's Dan Sullivan with Strategic Co- Coach, and what he yeah. says what he says is you have to think about your thinking. And that's something else I see you doing on a daily basis uh, with your with your uh, your video uh, blogs and so on and so forth. You're constantly saying, hey, I was thinking about this, and this is why I was thinking about this. So you're actually thinking about why you're thinking about this. And when you do that, <laughs> new <laughs> new ways of thinking come out. And that's what drives commerce. That's what drives inno- innovation uh, Sullivan says that, you know, a lot, a lot of times people think that capitalism is a, a dirty word, you know, that people are trying to capitalize on other people. But capitalism actually is, is improving capability so that all people have a better life. And that ha- that has happened over the course of my lifetime. I'm about 20 years older, I think, than you are. And so I can remember in the, in the sixties growing up, you know, the, the, the people didn't have, it wasn't the norm to have air conditioning. So now not to have air conditioning, even in a $500 a month apartment is just unheard of. And so life has gotten better. When I was growing up, you, you didn't have air conditioning in a car. You didn't have power windows. Now even yeah. the, the 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 person that can't afford a thousand dollar car, when they get it, it's going to have air conditioning in it, and it's probably going to have power windows. When I was growing up, uh, there were some people that did not even have um, what I would call no, you know, natural gas heating. They still had coal chutes, so somebody would come around yeah. and put coal in it now, you would never see anything like that. Um, So, capitalism, people like entrepreneurs that drive capitalism, a lot of times people look at it and say, oh, you're just taking advantage of people. But what we are doing is we're adding value into people's lives so that we increase capabilities. Capitalism is more about increasing capabilities um, and it it makes the entire system more efficient so that the rising water actually raises all ships. So I I really think it's great that you think about your thinking.
0: Yeah, it's, I do think about that sometimes, because like my generation, I remember as a kid, like cable TV, without a remote, I'd have to go up and change on the cable box on top of the TV, the stations, Mm -hmm. and then push into remotes. But now the thought of, like for me, my, my wife and I watch TV a lot of nights for a little bit before bed, and the thought of not being able to pause the show on TV <laughs> is is baffling to me. And how did people ever get by before this? But yet, I recall it very clearly when it started, time before, time after. But it's like once you have something, you never want to. You, you never like to take steps back once you have those things. Yeah, it's so hard to take a step back. But I think about the TV thing on, on a on a regular basis, like a, like the combination of DVR and like record the series and then pause and all the time and. It's so hard to think you had to like program VCRs. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a <laughs> such an odd thing to look back on. But yeah, and I think you touched on too, the value. I think that's so true too, because if you look at the, the people like the, the well-known entrepreneurs uh, and the ones that do oftentimes tend to be worth like tens or hundred billion dollars, like somebody like Bezos, right. the <laughs> ones that have these insane, insane net worths are the ones that have Change the face of the planet, and I yes. think people are are they, easy to disregard that, or think like it's so unfair that they have all this money, and kids are starving, and people, and like, and there's there's someone that can't feed their kids, and I can empathize with that, but I also don't think that person that can't feed their kids has changed the world, right? Yeah, it's I have not it, changed the world. <laughs> I, I can't claim for a second I've changed the world.
1: No, but you know, if you can put your stamp on a little bit, I know you do a lot with the um, with the school systems with the earbuds. And so, if you can make if you can make them more efficient, and and I know one of your big things is you're <laughs> you can give the school districts a better deal on better earbuds, and so they can keep their their costs down, and the, then those costs are actually being are able to go to something else. You whether it's better, you know, more teacher salaries for better teachers, or for better for better textbooks or whatever. So I think you're doing your part in making. Uh, people's lives better in in your own little way.
0: Own little way, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to provide value, and I guess I, I never thought about it like that. It's true because if you spend less on one area of some budget, it does free because because people they never lower taxes, so they never lower their budgets. So there's always money going to be spent somewhere else. Maybe security, like you said, teacher salaries. I never thought about it like that. That is a uh, I might I might stew that over a little bit later on. Well, Bruce, I do thank you for talking to me today. I do have to do have to shuffle. I've outsourced a lot of the business, but I do still have some I have to do. <laughs> yeah, but, sure. Uh, thank you so much for talking to me today, and I hope you had a good time. I had a good time talking to you, learned some stuff, hopefully provided some value to anybody along the way I might my as well.
1: That's wonderful, Tyler. And don't hesitate to ever reach out. Uh, I enjoy talking to you. I, I I love watching your LinkedIn stuff. And if I can help you or anybody
0: else, I'd be glad to do that. All right. Well, thank you, Bruce. Take care. Hey, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend. If you didn't like what you heard, tell an enemy.